Trigger warning. The following episode may contain content that some may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. A disturbing childhood poisons the brain of a 10-year-old girl. She has a warped idea of fun and turns to hurting younger children for a pastime. When it is no longer enough to just hurt them, she begins to kill. Taunting the town on her killing spree, leaving grotesque notes around the town, bragging about her immoral acts to her friends. This is the story of Mary Bell. Mary Bell was born in May of 1957 to 16-year-old sex worker Betty McCricket. Betty never wanted Mary and viewed her as only a burden. She was physically and mentally abusive towards Mary her whole life. She was frequently trying to sell Mary and even just give her away to couples who were trying to adopt unsuccessfully. Mary had had several accidents growing up. She fell from a window and even overdosed once on sleeping pills. People had their suspicions that these were not accidents and just Betty's attempt to rid herself of Mary or potentially profit from her injury. When Mary was four years old, her mother started to use her for sex work, selling her to scum just so she could make a buck. When Mary was five years old, her best friend was run over by a bus right in front of her. She witnessed the whole gruesome scene. It is no surprise that Mary Bell became an outsider by the age of 10. She was manipulative, withdrawn, and socially awkward. In May of 1968, the month that she would turn 11, she started spending time with a three-year-old boy. He had a bad fall once while playing with her, and his mother assumed it was just an accident. But then mothers began to come forward, claiming that Mary had tried to choke or harm their children as well. Police spoke with Mary and gave her a lecture about violence, but no charges or action were taken. Then, on the day before her 11th birthday, she lured four-year-old Martin Brown to an abandoned home where she strangled him to death. The next day, she had returned to the scene to show it off to her friend Norma. But two boys had already beaten them there, and they had reported the body to the police. When the police arrived and began investigating, they were stumped. There was just a little bit of blood and saliva on the boy's face, but other than that, there was no evidence. There was a small bottle of pain pills that was empty lying next to him, and the police just assumed that maybe he ate the pills and died. A few days after his death, Mary showed up at Martin's parents' house and asked to see him. His parents informed Mary that he had died, but to their surprise, Mary had a disturbing response. She said, I know. I just wanted to see what his body looked like in that coffin. Horrified, Martin's parents slammed the door in Mary's face. To terrorize the family and the town even more, Mary and her friend Norma decided to break into a local nursery school and left notes all over taking responsibility for the death of Martin and saying that they were going to kill again. The school just assumed it was a horrible prank and installed a security system. A few days later, the alarm was set off and police came to the school to discover Mary and Norma hanging around outside. They sent them off with a slap on the wrist. 
She then began bragging to people at school about how she killed Martin, but nobody believed her. She was seen as a show-off at school and often would lie about things to get a rise out of her peers. In July of 1968, two months after Martin was murdered, Mary Bell struck again. Her and her friend Norma strangled three-year-old Brian Howe. This time, Mary took it a step further, mutilating his body with a pair of scissors, cutting his legs, and butchering his genitals. She even took a razor blade and carved the letter M onto his chest. When Brian's older sister began to worry and went out to look for her little brother, Mary and Norma offered to help. The twisted duo did an awful job disguising their interest in the police investigation. When they were interviewed, Norma was excited and giddy, and Mary was fleeting. On the day that Brian was buried, Mary stood by, laughing and mocking him in his coffin. This disturbed people, and the police brought her in for a second interview. She sensed the police were closing in, and so she created a story saying that she saw a young boy hit Brian that day and saw him later walking down the road with a pair of rusty scissors. But this was her mistake. Because you see, the police never released the details about the body. The only people who would have known about the body being butchered with scissors would have been the cops and the murderer. Mary tried to place the blame on Norma, but Norma had been cooperative with the police and recounted the murder to them. Both girls went to trial, and when asked why she had killed the boys, Mary simply said, because it was fun. Norma was let go, and Mary went to prison at Her Majesty's pleasure, which meant that this was until the Queen saw it fit that Mary could be released. Twelve years later, in 1980, Mary was released because authorities were impressed with her rehabilitation. She was put under protective order to help her live a normal life and has had to change names and locations several times over her life to escape prying reporters. She eventually had a child of her own and later in the child's life, the tabloids discovered who Mary was and the child found out about her mother's murderous past. I am not quite sure what came from it since Mary is so heavily protected, but I am sure it was quite a shock for her family to discover the horrible crimes she had committed as a child murderer. She is currently out living in the world under a new name, no one knowing who she really is. Thank you for listening. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to catch sneak peeks of upcoming episodes, behind the scenes, and more.